Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this math. Tom. <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, let's go. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. Oh, yeah, the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Tesla. I remember that. You've got a Model X. I've seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's Mel Herbert here for Talking Tesla. It's not going to be our usual Talking Tesla. Usually on Talking Tesla, we talk about the latest news stories, the three of us talking with each other, making fools of ourselves and each other. No, not this week. Because I'm away in New Zealand at the wedding of my cousin, who happens to be the producer of this show, and many like them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to do something different. We're going to be talking with Jess and Dave Mason, who just got a brand new Tesla. We're going to use it as a sort of a podcast to tell people who are maybe new to the program some great stuff about Teslas and some stuff that's not quite as good. So let's begin with Jess and Dave going to the factory to pick up their Model S. The reason that they got a Model S is because it's a fantastic car because they do a lot of commuting between Fresno and L.A., which is about 200 miles, because uh, our company was able to give them some help with buying that car, as we do with all our employees, with incentives. And, of course, there's the federal incentives and the state incentives. So they jacked themselves up. A pretty sweet ride. Wow. Do you guys want to take some pictures before we start? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. That is a It's real pretty. Would you like me to take a picture of both of you? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Do you guys have a name for it already? With their new family member. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd call it Tesla. <laughs> so they went on the website months ago and they configured it up. They got an S, a 90D. They made it lovely and beautiful with some air suspension and some other things to trick it out. It's an expensive car. It's a big investment. And then they picked it up, actually, at the Fremont factory. And they did the sort of tour through the factory. And now... They're about to drive it away. For the first time, leaving the factory, it's such an exciting time. I guess it just hits the gas. I got hit, put it in drive, and then, <laughs> and then go. I mean, it feels like a car. Of course it feels like a car, but it's got so many buttons and things. Okay, I'm going to na- program our home. Well, our home is programmed. Well, I'm going to navigate yeah. it. Yeah. Let's see, navigate home. It is a freaking nice ride, that's for sure. I mean, it feels so nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so quiet. You're stopped and it's like completely silent. I know, yeah. It feels like I should, like I got to turn the car back on or something. Hey, roll your window up. I want to hear the total silence. Oh, that's quiet. Yeah, you can just hear the other cars around you, like driving past. So they're on their way. They're on their way from Fremont to Fresno. They're going to stop at a supercharger. That's going to be very exciting. Later in the program here, the audio gets significantly better and things get significantly worse. Great. There we go. Flashing green. Okay. That's it. I would just wait. Right, now Jess is up. It's her first time driving the car, and you know what she's going to do. Yeah, she's going to gun it. This is my first time driving the car. Yep. 
we just charged the supercharger. We filled up for 10 minutes. And now we're up to 165 miles. More than half the battery. Oh, wow. Okay, when I get on to the main street, I'm going to accelerate. Okay, please look for uh, police officers. You mean look in my rear view mirror for the police officers? <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Ready, Bubbles? Okay. Whoa! Oh, shit! <laughs> 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 I didn't even floor it. <laughs> so it's all fun and games, right? You've just got this fantastic, beautiful supercar. You're getting home to your apartment complex in Fresno. And then this happens. What happened? So our wall charger. So we were going to use the dryer, right. right? Which the plug, to me, now that I'm new to the world of plugs, right. it looked like it would fit a NEMA 1450 sized plug. Mm -hmm. We get home and the 1450 doesn't plug into the dryer. Something just doesn't fit. So I take a picture of it and I do some research, research and it's a 1430 NEMA. Okay. So I do some research and uh, Tesla does sell an adapter, a 1430. Great. But then they took it away off the market. Okay. Why? But then recently, a couple months ago, they brought it back. Okay. Perfect. So now I'm searching. Where can I get one? Well, December 7th, 2016, on a blog, it says that Tesla recalled all the 1430 adapters because of some faulty something or other that people complained about overheating. And as a statement put out by Tesla saying, anyone who has a 1430, they recommend just using the standard wall outlet, going to a supercharger or getting a power or like a, a, a charging station in their home. So, so we can't charge any faster um, until we have a place to install an actual wall charger. Until then, it's just going to be the, uh, the standard outlet in the garage. So it's going to be like three miles an hour charge. So we basically have to use the supercharger across town until... Every time we want to do a trip. We move out. I mean, it can sit plugged in. It'll just take, you know, forever and a day to charge. But, yeah. So you got to make sure that you don't have a 14... If your plan, if your big master plan is to use your dryer, your 220 or 240 outlet, whatever the dryer's plugged into... Mm -hmm. You have to make sure it's not a NEMA 1430. How the hell would anyone know that? Well, I'll tell you right now. The, the 1450, yeah. where the neutral is, mm -hmm. it's round. If your neutral prong, the prong or whatever, right, yeah. if, it, if it's an L shape, mm -hmm. then you have a 1430, which means you're SOL. So we just spent that much money on a car that we can't charge. Well, we can charge it, but... It's gonna go. It's gonna go standard outlet. Yeah. Okay. I'll charge it at work. So no fast charging here. Nope. So we gotta move. Now we have to. Now move. we have to move. Our house doesn't accommodate our car. Yeah. So Jess and Dave are living in an apartment, and now the dryer won't work. But I got some good news. It turns out, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that at the end of uh, last week's talking Tesla, Robert says, "Oh, I've got that adapter," and so 
they are going to be able to charge a little faster. You should be able to get about 17 miles per hour of charging with that uh, 240-volt dryer adapter that Robert had in his car that he's lending to Jess and Dave. So the story, it's going to be okay. We just hope it doesn't burst into flames. And the other part of the story is that Jess and Dave have just put their money down on a new house in Fresno. And on that house, they are going to get solar panels and they're going to have a uh, EV charger, a Tesla charger. So it's all going to be okay in the end. But now let's go and talk to Jess and Dave about a little drive they took from Fresno to L.A. And it was pretty serious. So let me tell you how this works. It's about 200 miles away to go to Fresno. Fresno is in a valley. And then you have to go up this thing called the Grapevine. It's a big, giant mountain. Well, not that big and giant. I think it gets up to about 5,000 feet. And then you come back down into the L.A. basin. But it gets really windy on this hill up uh, the Grapevine. And it also can snow. And it can be really treacherous. And because of their charging difficulties at home, only having really slow charging, they didn't leave Fresno with a full charge. So they're going to have to stop at the Tahone Ranch, which is a supercharger, at the bottom of the Grapevine, the big hill, where a lot of people go to give themselves a little extra boost before they come into the L.A. basin. Anyway, let's get to the story. So our little Tesla journey update, uh, we were able to charge up to 90 percent, so about 260 miles about. Oh, and for the record, we're using a little walkie-talkie app called Voxer that uh, we use on iOS. So it's not our usual high quality audio, but it gets the job done. And uh, Tesla has routed our trip with a planned stop at Tahone Ranch for a 15 minute charge. And then we should arrive at Dave's parents' house with 21% left of our battery. So that's the route it planned, which we'll see as we go, but I'm sure that sounds pretty good. So for those of you that don't know, when you uh, get in your Tesla and you say, I want to go on my big trip, then you uh, put that navigation in and the Tesla itself will say, well, that's uh, 300 miles. We're going to need you to stop at X supercharger for how many, like 10 minutes, and uh, then you continue on your trip. The software does a really good job of determining when you need to stop, how long you need to charge for. I've found it's pretty accurate. It assumes you are driving sort of at the speed limit. It works out the altitude changes and that kind of stuff, but it can't factor things in like wind and rain or if you're going to drive really erratically and use up lots of energy. So it sort of takes best case scenario, and I've found that it's actually pretty accurate. And you can also do something like this. So we just clicked around to see how long or how much battery we'd have if we went straight to his parents' house. And it says we could do it, but we'd have to stay below 55 miles per hour and we'd arrive with 5% left of the battery. Again, we only charged to 90%. So I'm sure if we did 100%, you know, we, we could make it and not stress, but we'll definitely stop it to home and, and charge it up. Now, Jess and Dave bought themselves a Model S, a 90D. The rated range on that is about 300 miles, which is like 450 kilometers. But they didn't have it all the way charged. And even though Fresno is only just over 200 miles away, it's saying, you know, you could drive the whole way and go up that giant hill and then down the other side. But you'd have to drive really slowly so you can conserve a lot of energy. It turns out that if you drive really slowly, like 50 miles an hour, you can get 400 miles of range out of this car. But it's assuming... 65 miles an hour, you know, uh, maybe 70 miles an hour, normal conditions that uh, you can't do it all the way at that normal speed. You're going to have to stop at the Tahone Ranch. Now, again, the Tahone Ranch is a supercharger at the bottom of that giant hill. It is very, very popular. You're about to find out how popular. Well, we've arrived at the Tahone Charger, and it's full. Every single spot is full. One, two, three, four. How many? 
all six spots. So we're going to wait in line. Hey, Mel, what's the, what is the unspoken rule here when there's a line at the Tesla charger? Because we were the first one here waiting, and now another car has pulled up, and she clearly thinks she's the first one waiting. Do you just park and wait? And then, I mean, is there, a, is there like a code of ethics here? Because now a spot's opening. Oh, this is going to be interesting. So my answer to Jess was there's not really a code of ethics, but it's basically first come, first serve. But you sort of need to park in a position where it's clear you're next up. Otherwise, people are just going to treat it like uh, they're first up. So this is a problem with an overcrowded supercharging network when you have these periods where there's a lot of people there and uh, it's not clear who's next. You could potentially have some issues. Now, we'll get back to it, but it seems like that's some really, really busy uh, superchargers. They've actually uh, had to bring in some help to deal with that. But let's see what happens. Uh, we are charging it up right now, and um, it's it's kind of cool. Like, other Tesla owners are pretty friendly, and so right when we pulled in, the guy next to us and his wife, like, got out, and they're like, oh, look, this is the new one. Check it out, and he's, like, showing where the cameras are and checking them all out, and um, so they got theirs just, like, three months ago, so there's this really new but doesn't have the autonomous capability, but they have the 90D ludicrous mode. So I'm sure that's real fun. Um, yeah, and he basically said, oh, you guys did the right thing. Like, from what he's seen, you know, you just sort of, like, pull up and park and wait. And then, I guess, sort of keep track of who's in line where. I didn't ask where they're from, but he said, you know, some chargers are so busy that they'll have, like, a valet. And they just take care of it for you and keep track of who's in line where. Uh, that's crazy. That must be, like, in the Bay or in L.A. So... But anyway, yeah, didn't have to wait long. Now there's another there's another guy waiting right now. It looks like an ex is waiting. And he's just sort of idling, like shining his lights on all of us. <laughs> just sitting there waiting. <laughs> Clearly declaring himself as next in line. And uh, the guy parked next to us said that it's the San Mateo charger, that uh, supercharger. That's the one that they have valet for certain hours. That's the one that people were upset about and tweeting at Elon that... Um, People were using it as a parking spot. So, so he says not all hours of the day, just part of the day. If you're a listener to the show frequently, you know that I have a little freak out session pretty much every week about the fact that I love Teslas. These are fantastic. But the supercharger network, which is supposed to be for long distances, really needs to be built out an enormous amount because there's only 100,000 Teslas out there right now in the U.S., probably somewhere around that number. And the supercharger network, some of them, they get full and it's a problem, so we need a lot more, particularly because Tesla is planning on building 500,000 to a million and maybe many more than that in the next few years. And all of those people are going to use that supercharger network when they're going on their trip. So we have to see a rapid, big-time expansion in the supercharger network. But last week on the main show, we heard that maybe this is going to get solved, at least in part, by the fact that they're going to be able to charge these cars much faster. So right now, theoretically, the uh, current cars can charge with 145 kilowatts, which is really fast. You can do like 200 miles of range in 20 or 30 minutes, theoretically. Most of the time, you don't get that. But Elon was tweeting about the fact that you might be able to get 200 miles of range in five or six minutes, which means even if it was full when you got there, you could move these cars in and out very quickly. Now let's go up the Grapevine. Again, the Grapevine, big hill, uh, up 5,000 feet, can get really windy, can get really stormy, can get even uh, snowy, and it did for their trip. 
first big trip they've ever taken in their Model S. Let's go up the grapevine with them. Going real slow. The trucks are trucks are going slow. Uh, it's really crazy. Oh, it's just crazy weather right now. It's windy. It's foggy. It's just the rain is coming down. Everyone's like going pretty cautious. It's slow, so that's good. It's, everyone's pretty cautious on the road right now. Let's see, we're 463 watt hours. What Dave's talking about there is um, that you can work out how many uh, watt hours you are using per mile that you're driving. And what you're going to hear in the next few minutes of this is as they're going up the grapevine, as it's really wet, as they've got the heater on, as the rain is pouring down and their slope gets higher and higher, they're using more and more watt hours, the uh, unit of energy, um, per mile that they drive, and it starts to freak them out because they charged up with more than enough to get to uh, Jay's dad house where they can charge up again. But because they're newbies at this, they start to freak out a little bit, like, do I have enough charge? And this is the classic range anxiety. Again, if you're a normal listener to the show, this is boring to you, but if you're a new listener, this is one of the big issues people have when they first get an electric car is this range anxiety. Will I have enough energy because I can't just pull over at a gas station because there isn't that many? Let's listen. We are going 45 miles per hour, and we are at 512 watt hours a mile. A mile? Yeah, per mile. So, it's not 513 now. 513, <laughs> and we're going 35 miles an hour. Um, so yeah, I think we're used. That's a lot of energy consumption, right? It's a lot. I wonder how high it will go. I guess at the peak of the grapevine. So we've gone 16 miles since the Tahone charger, but we dropped 30 miles on our battery charge. So going up this steep of a grade, it's like two to one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Okay, it's snowing. This is snow. It's not sticking, but we have like snow right now. I know what snow looks like from Cleveland, living in Cleveland. It's just not sticking, but it is, it's slush hitting the yeah. windshield right now. Well, we're up oh. at Mount Pinos. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of at the peak of elevation right now. We're, we're coming down a little, so I'm seeing a lot more of that green bar. Like, we're making some energy, so that's kind of cool. And uh, our peak was 605 kilowatt, watt no, hours. watt hours. Per mile watt hours per mile yeah and so we were we dropped down to 149 miles left on the battery pretty fast from 193 but for the last few miles we've been at 149 it's the battery hasn't changed so we're making some energy we're breaking even right now i have to guess yeah and we're about to go down so we go downhill and hopefully make some back with our regenerative braking which is which we have on, so we should regenerate. Yeah, in this circumstance, I don't even like to call it regenerative braking because you're not really braking. It's just regenerative cruising at this point. So you've gone up the giant hill. You've used a lot of energy to get up to the top of the giant hill. Now you have an enormous amount of potential energy that is stored in the car, in the universe, as it were. So then coming down the hill, just cruising, not hitting the accelerator, but just sort of rolling down the hill, there's enough extra energy that it gets 
brought back into the battery via that regenerative cruising. Now, if you put your foot on the brake, you get it back into the uh, battery. Or if you're going down a hill cruising, you get it back in the battery. So I like to call it regenerative cruising. Look at that. Look at that line right there. Bam. We're a little, uh, we're a little power-making machine right now. <laughs> So now we're regenerating lots of energy on our way down the grapevine. Now we are in the green. We actually haven't gained any miles on the battery. It just sort of sits at whatever number it was at when we start regenerating. We haven't gone long enough downhill to actually build up miles. We're just kind of breaking even, which is good. And so we we peaked out at what six hundred and six ten, yeah, watt hours per mile. And now it's uh, well, it's still it's dropping by the by the second here. But now we're down to about one ninety watt hours per mile going down the hill. There's many different ways you can have the display tell you what's going on. You can have it average your energy use over the last 30 miles, last five miles. You can do it instantaneous. So uh, they probably are averaging over the last five miles as a guess or something like that. But if you put it on what's happening right now, if you're going down a hill like that, don't have your foot on the accelerator, but you're still traveling down the hill, it'll actually tell you you're regenerating energy. It'll give you the number. It'll be positive. It's pretty cool. So we went into the green in terms of the watt hours per mile as we were coming down the grade. So it looked like we should have been gaining, but our... Uh, I don't you... think we gained as much as we lost. Definitely. I mean, the grapevine was pretty steep. Um, we do have some healthy green valleys here, but I don't know how to interpret that totally. I know we made energy here. So what they're seeing on the display there is green is when you're making energy. It'll give you this little graph, and there's lots of uh, green. That means you've made energy. And I can't remember. I think it's orange. It's funny. I'm not sitting in the car right now. Uh, Orange is you're using energy. And then the question comes up, what you're looking at on the range gauge of a Tesla is an estimated range. So the question I have is, and I can't remember, maybe some of our listeners can tell us next week, is that if you go down a really long grade, does that uh, predicted range start to go up? My experience was it just sort of stays the same. It says you have 150 miles and you drive for 20 miles down a hill. And if you're under the right circumstance, it'll still say 150. It won't go up to 170, for example. And I was watching the number of miles left on the battery. And like the best it did, it never gained. It never went up. At best, it stayed at a number and... Even when we were just going downhill, it would stay at that number for, you know, a couple minutes. But it, it just, yeah. it never went up. Yeah. They made it home. They made it to Dad's place. They charged up. They had 34% battery left. They went down the grapevine. They didn't use any energy. It was, you know, a good story, though, because if you haven't driven an electric car a lot, you start to freak out. I know I did. first few times I went up Giant Hill and I saw that battery getting used up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, regenerative cruising or regenerative braking is not anywhere near 100%. So uh, you'll use a lot of energy getting up the hill, and you'll get a lot of it back, but not all of it. I can't remember the number, but I think it's about 80 or 90% of it back. So you certainly expend more going up the hill than you get back going down, but it makes a big difference. Your gas car, your internal combustion engine car, doesn't get anything back. It just wastes all that energy getting up the hill, and then it's lost. Whereas your smart electric car is going to regenerate a lot of that energy 
right back into the battery. It's one of the reasons they are so efficient. So just after Christmas, Jess and Dave actually stopped by my place before they were driving back to Fresno. And in fact, we were recording last week's Talking Tesla. So uh, here's Rob, Mel, Jess, Dave, Tom, talking about the new Tesla. We're walking outside. We're looking at the Dave and Jess mobile. Now, first thing, the color. What color is this? Okay, so they said it's midnight silver, um, but this is a lot lighter than what they show on the website. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, being in graphic design, you can't always trust what the screen color is. I mean, everyone's monitor is a little different. I thought it was going to be a lot darker, but I, I, it's like more dark pewter gunmetal gray, right? Something like that. It's it's still cool. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like my old gray one, but with an extra couple of coats to make it a little darker. Something you don't really want to hear after you spent that much money on a car. It's still cool, I guess. <laughs> it could be any color. It would have been any color, been okay. Hot pink would have been... Caltrans orange would have been awesome. Let's wrap it pink for him. Let's do See it. See if he really means it. So uh, Rob goes straight to... What did you take a picture of, Rob? Straight up. Actually, I just went up to one of the side cameras. I noticed there was some schmutz there on the pillar, and I kind of buffed it a little bit and cleaned it because I don't want them to have anybody from the right side of the car merge into them and the car not see it. So, uh, Jess, you've had the car for, I don't know, less than a week. First thoughts? Um, I'm just super impressed by the car overall. I think the things that surprise me the most about it, all the technology is really impressive, but I'm really impressed with all the storage. There's so much room in the trunk. There's the area under the back trunk. There's the frunk. There's so much storage. And I think I'm also just most excited about never getting gas again, ever. In this car, at least. Ever. Unfortunately, so all of these cameras are everywhere and none of them work. We're waiting for 8.1. So uh, how much charge do you have in the car right now? 45 miles. Going to go back to Fresno. Where are you going to charge up? Tone, Tone Ranch. We'll charge. Wherever it tells us. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Wherever it maps out. Oh, yeah, I have the same car. I've got the 90D. It's brand new. And I charge mine all the way up, and it says I can get all the way to your house yeah. with 13% left. I know, but it's not factoring in if you got to zip around a semi or, you know. It doesn't or... factor in lead-footing driving. Right, yeah. But it does factor in elevation changes. It does? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it does it expect- well, because, okay, so we drove from Fremont back to Fresno. And Fresno mapped it out to to L.A. And it gave us in the beginning, while we're leaving the garage, it says you're at like, you'll get there 27% charge on your battery. And all said and done, when the trip was over, it was really about 10% less than what it than what it sort of calculated. And that's happened twice. So I'm guessing there's foot. sort of like a 10% <laughs> buffer you have to build in. So if your car says you're going to get there at 5%, it's not going to make it. Right, but if you start to drive a little bit slower, like if you slow down to 60, you'll get that. Like, again, you can sort of gauge, you can you can adjust that just by the way you're driving. Like, if you just st- stick at 60, you'll get you'll get more range, right? You'll yeah, see but you're not going to stick at 60. I mean, there's like, it's not easy to like do. you're driving down the 5 or the 99, and yeah. you see that oh, semi sort of like getting pissed off at the semi in front of it, and they're going to like pull over into your lane, and then there's going to be a little like race between two semis going 45 miles an hour. So you have to, like, pass it before you see the itch of the second semi that wants to get up. So it's all that sort of variation. I also think we lost some of the energy, the, the projected amount of energy, because it was pouring rain. We had the heater on. 
I think the car was working harder. I think it was losing more energy than we thought. The heater will do it for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. Wind, yeah. wind makes a big difference, well, it too. Wasn't, we weren't using that much heat. We had a whole thing of oysters in the back seat on ice, and so we couldn't use too much heat. <laughs> yeah, but this, you have the seat heaters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you have the choice, use the seat heaters for sure. It takes like a tenth of the energy of heating the actual car. So, you know, we've talked a lot about range in the different circumstances. When it's windy, when you're going uphill, when it's really cold, all these things can affect your range as it can in a gas car. But obviously it's more of an issue in a Tesla because there's not as many supercharger stations as there are gas stations. So I went on to, or I'm on right now, as we speak, I'm on the Tesla website. And they have a great range estimator on the website. So it's got the 60, 60D, the 75, the 75D, the 90D, the P100D. And you can go in there and put in different variables. So you can put in what speed you're going to sort of drive at. What's the outside temperature, whether you've got the air conditioning off or on. So I'm going to do this. Let's say I'm going to drive at um, 75, 70 miles an hour. It actually used to let you do more than that, but now it's top set at 70 miles an hour. And I've got a 90D, which I do. I'm going to say the outside temperature is 70 and I'm going to have some air conditioning or heating on. And they say that my estimated range under those circumstances is 260 miles. If I turn the air conditioner off, I get an extra 15 miles. And now if I drop the speed down to 65 miles an hour, now I can get 302 miles. So no air conditioner on um, and I'm driving at 65, I'm going to get 302 miles. If I drive at 60, I'm going to get 332. So I get another 30 miles. If I drive at 55 miles an hour, which is pretty slow on the freeways here in the US, you're going to get 366 miles. And let's say I really want to range max this. I'm just caught in the middle of nowhere. How far can I go? So if I have the air conditioner off, I drive at 45 miles an hour, pretty slow. It says I'm going to go 440 three miles so we started off at 260 where i was driving fast and i had the air conditioner on and now i'm driving at 45 miles an hour so that's what you can do if you get into a circumstance where you get anxious where uh, boy i'm a long way from the next supercharger if you do things like turn off the air conditioner drive much slower you can get a lot more range and there's curves and stuff that you can look at probably the most efficient place is somewhere around 30 miles an hour i think and you can get this car over probably 500 miles. But it's a long, long time to drive at 35 miles an hour. So knowing this information, most of the time I just ignore it. I drive at the speed that the traffic is going. And around here, that's like 70, 75 miles an hour most of the time. But if I'm going on a trip and I've got a big long leg, I, I know that information in my head. So I say, okay, let's just drop the cruise control on 70 and that'll give me a lot of range. But if I need a lot more than that, just dropping it down to 65 will give me another 15 to 30 miles of range. And dropping it to 60, well, I'm going to have a huge amount of range. So knowing that data can be very useful on your longer trips, particularly if you're concerned about the charging infrastructure. And if you're really caught, you know that if you drive at about 45 miles an hour, you can go a long way in this car. Just be careful with these wheels, right? I see you haven't yet touched the curb. That's a badge of honor. Stay way away from the curb. Don't even think about getting close. I use the, I use the little like the little radar. So it's like you're two inches away from something. I love oh, that. Right. That is so great. I don't know that that works for curbs though. So it's pretty sensitive. When I, we were doing little test drives yesterday with the family, I was showing them sort of those sensors around the graphic of the car, how close you are to something, and I'd park right up against the car just so it alert off. And you can see it's telling you two inches away, thirteen inches away. You know, it's great. When I handed in my first generation Tesla last week, my rims were just 
massively dinged up. It was terrible. But now I have the radar. Yeah, I feel like I can get into any spot now. It just tells me 27 inches, 3 inches. So you're a better parker now? Oh, much better. Oh, nice. Through modern technology. And soon, with 8.1... It'll do it all itself. There was a whole bunch of little software upgrades that occurred last week that uh, tweaked your car and made it better, which is one of the beautiful things about a Tesla. One of them was to the fob, to the key fob, the key that starts the car now does this thing. This was sort of a problem. So we had we got the high suspension for my hips, right? So it could sit a little higher when I like kind of ease in, which helps. It's great. But then we noticed that when you plug your driver profile in, Jess sits really close to the wheel, and I sit a lot farther away. So when I would get into the car after Jess had driven it, I that was really difficult for me. I got to, like, squeeze in and try to get in. Yeah, so that was going to be a problem. But then after the upgrade we got two days ago, they let you customize the key fob. So key fob one i have and it's set to my profile and key fob two is set to jess's profile so whichever fob is walking out to the car it starts adjusting the seat so now i don't have to reach over anything or squeeze in anything it's like set up by the time i get there it's awesome that's right so i just need a different i need a different color of this this little silicone (laughs) piece piece i need sticky thing this is one go on amazon and there you can put them there's these little covers i've got a white one if you want a white one i'll give you a white one right now yeah. I'm going to go get the <laughs> I want it. <laughs> then we started talking about adapters and extension cords. And I'm not going to put the audio in here. It's too long. But here's the summary. The Tesla, it comes with a whole bunch of adapters for a variety of circumstances. And there are many more that you can buy for other fast DC chargings like Chatamo, which cost about 500 bucks. But one of the things that I think is really useful for you is to get a high-grade outdoor standard extension cord. Because there's a number of circumstances that can come up where you want to plug your car in and uh, you need a longer cord. So I always carry an extension cord. And I also carry an extension cord to the fast level 2 chargers, so the J1772. I have an extension cord for one of those. Now, Robert has all of this plus a whole bunch of other adapters because he does a lot of traveling. And he wants to make sure that he can adapt to every different type of circumstances he can get into. Now, this is very U.S.-centric because the U.S. is all over the place with the very different plugs that are used in different places. And I'm not sure if other other countries you have the variety of stupid uh, standards that we have here. But if you're going to be traveling a lot, make sure that you have an extension cord and think about buying some extra adapters because there's often a circumstance where there may not be a supercharger, but there is some charging. You just got to have the right plug. You just got to plug the right pluggy thing in for your car. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I think we'll end it there. Short Talking Tesla, not our usual Talking Tesla. Thanks to Jess and Dave for sharing their experience with their new Tesla that they love. We're going to have them on the show more often as they go from Tesla newbies to Tesla legends. My name's Mel Herbert. The show is Talking Tesla. It's brought to you by Foolaboo. Cece is our producer. She's getting married. Congratulations to her. And we'll talk to you again next week on the show. The real show. The main show. The show with the three stupid guys. Yeah, that's the show. 